0: I, I don't know how you solve for this in a um, real world kind of s- s- real world scenario with with students, but I, I agree it's one of the biggest limiting factors that I see students coming out of higher education with, and that is this point of I, I can't be wrong or I have to know everything.
1: All right, we are back from vacation. We took a couple of weeks off to um, relax, recoup, um, get get ourselves um, rejuvenated, and we're kicking off a new series of episodes with a great returning guest. So, Jason, this week we have Dr. Stephen Marshall from East Tennessee State University with us again. Um, By popular Stephen- demand. Yes. This is like your third or fourth episode and I should have done my homework before this to know the exact number, but you've been with us for a couple of times.
2: Yeah. I think I can't remember which one it is either, but Mm -hmm. it's always awesome to be with you guys.
1: Yeah. That's great. Great. So thanks for joining us. So for those who haven't heard Steven's previous episodes for any new listeners we have, uh, I'll link those up in the show notes, but a brief intro, um, Stephen is the Chief Marketing Officer and VP of Workforce Development at the newly established ETSU Research Corporation at East Tennessee State University. Um, So most times, actually not most times, all times that we've had a guest, it's usually a chance for Jason and I to ask questions of whoever's joining us. Um, But this week, uh, Stephen, you and I have had multiple conversations, and I want to flip the script a bit um I want to use this time for you being in higher education to ask the questions of us you know ask us the questions that maybe we're not thinking of kind of being a bit more established in our career or or whatnot um and because this is this is something we've been talking about over the last several weeks, we've had a series of, of episodes talking about how to gain experience in, in the analytics space and whether that's something where you're a new college graduate or someone established in your career and looking to make a pivot. Um, but before we get to that, um, like I mentioned, the ETSU Research Corporation is, is newly established. I want to give you a chance to um, tell our listeners more about it. Uh, what your your plans are with it and you know what your goals are
2: sure so thanks you guys for having me back on it's um it's awesome to be on with you guys um so the ETSU research corporation was is really you can think of you know universities have research foundations and so the ETSU research corporation is the doing business as from the ETSU research foundation as the ETSU research corporation Um, And so there's the foundation, but the research corporation has really been installed at ETSU to drive innovation for ETSU, but also for our region. So we really want to try to connect our region and, um, you know, to do world-class things in a rural environment. We feel like, you know, in Appalachia and being a university that has almost 15,000 students, a medical school, a pharmacy school, um, you know, amazing programs across the board. Uh, you know, we we could connect industry and make a change for not only our region, but to do some really innovative things in the world that are cast in a rural setting. So that's kind of our our mantra, our, our essence, our brand essence is world class in a rural setting. Um, and my mission as part of this and the reason I got recruited for it was to really, um, as you guys know, I've been trying to drive innovation in higher education for a long time and uh, evangelizing about it evangelizing about the disconnect between higher education and industry and um and not to say that there's like a huge it's not like a completely complete void but but we all can agree that technology moves fast you bring COVID into it and and covet really wasn't much much uh, as much of a change agent as it was just an accelerant. you know it was something that was brought in something that happened that really kind of said Hey guys, you, everybody, you know things are changing fast, and now we have COVID, so now we're going to accelerate the change that was already there. If you had had seen me um, as part of, uh, of of the higher education um, team at Adobe um, for the experience business a few years ago, pre COVID, you would have heard me talk about the the need for higher education to adapt to technology and to and to change that's happening. Um, and, and then you bring in COVID and all those things just kind of just happen like a tsunami. And, um, and now you have a, a space in higher education where, where people are questioning the value of higher education. They're questioning the costs of it. You know, it's one of these things that, um, no matter, I'm not, and I'm not speaking of ETSU in the sense by itself, I'm talking about higher education again, been at hundreds of universities in my role with Adobe and, and gotten to speak at a ton of different conferences and, you know, this is my space, but the, but the thing is you see this anywhere and everywhere, Um, the costs of higher education continue to go up, but a lot of the things, the value and the, the facilities and, and, you know, things that are part of higher education have stayed constant, um, or static, um, and stale in some ways, you know, and so. I think this is a real change moment for higher education and what we've seen at ETSU is if we can bring industry in and we can connect industry and my whole mission really is to focus on experiential learning and put together the opportunity to fill that void that gap between what industry is doing and what higher education is doing so that you know the goal I want to to achieve is that when students graduate from East Tennessee State University That they they're entering into a job market where they have real experiences that they that they were curated and happened um, while they were at the university. And and an important part of that is that they have the evidence of those experiences so um, so that they're able to communicate through portfolio or through some kind of artifacts these are KPIs I worked on when I was in school. These were real clients I worked for. These were real teams I worked on, you know, virtually or not, you know, which is a whole nother thing that COVID accelerated, um, was the idea that, you know, something that you guys have evangelized for, uh, for as long as I've been listening to you for years, you know, um, yeah, remote work, it actually does work, you know? Um, and so, uh, and a lot of students figured that out on their own, you know, and, and a lot of professors figure that out. So I think, um, you know, really trying to build a platform to fill that void um, and give those students those real experiences that are that are both at the highest level of learning outcomes, which is the create space. And they're also those experiences are also at the highest level of the retention outcomes, um, because when you experience something, you remember it. Um, and and so that's I guess that's where I'm at.
0: It's amazing. And now this is going to be incredibly difficult because I have so many questions that I want to ask, but I'm going to, I'm going to be, uh, i'll be true to the format we're gonna fit with this episode but i it, it's super exciting and as we and you and i talked about you know i'm excited to see whatever role that we can play if nothing more than helping evangelize what what you're doing because we we agree i mean there's such a need for for this and um seeing what what you did on the on the university side to prepare your students and actually having talked with several of your students, I don't, I'm not sure if you, you, you recognize this or not, but, um, I've had so many of your students reaching out to me over the years and saying, Hey, can I get some advice? And, you know, they're coming out, um, so much more prepared than other students I'm, I'm talking with. Um, and, and, and it's given them a lot of confidence and, um, it's a, it's a great thing to see. And I think this, this new venture, uh, at East Tennessee state is only going to amplify that. And so we're, we're super excited to see how, uh, how things start to play out.
2: Well, you know, we've appreciated your support and your, your, you guys, your continued support, I think, you know, to the point of reaching out and talking to you guys and, and those conversations, you know, one of the things that I presented a couple is a year and a half ago now with Adobe. Um, they were looking at, 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 um, you know, soft skills or the, or, or what I would call the essential skills. And, and those things would be creativity, collaboration, um, critical thought, um, you know, uh, teamwork, those, you know, those, and working in a team and, and, in an environment like that. Um, and so I'm so proud of my students for reaching out to you guys, because I mean, you, you, you clearly have, you know, given them, um, agency to do that, but they still have to do it. Right um and 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 it's like i tell them it's like you know the more you do these kinds of things the more comfortable you will get with with let's like anything else you know we all go i don't want to go to that event i won't know anybody well everybody that's there doesn't know everybody you know and so everybody feels kind of the same way and you just you show up and you know if it sucks you leave but you know chances are you'll break the ice with somebody and then all of a sudden you're you're there you know and so I think just getting a foot in the door, and you guys have opened that door wide open, and, and we appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, well you're welcome, and, and likewise, I appreciate you in, including us in that. So I do have one question, and then I'm going to let you uh, – I'm going to turn over the host roles, or Jim can turn over the host roles to, to you. Uh, tell me about the mug you're drinking from.
2: The, oh, the mug I'm drinking? So this was a nice – I love my peeps at Adobe. Okay.
0: That's yeah. A nice, so that's, that's a nice mug.
2: It's a great mug. It is my daily mug. In fact, it looks disgusting inside of it. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I this is a this was a you know, this is one of those mugs you get where it's like, oh, I'm never going to be able to put this in the dishwasher, so I'll probably never
0: never use it. Never
2: use it, but I just drink black coffee, so, you know, warm is, is is pretty, yeah, so.
0: All right. Well, I, that was going to drive me crazy through the whole uh, recording, so I thought I'd ask and get that out of the way.
2: Perfect. Well, all right. So, so I'm. Am I the host now? Yes, you are. Well, good. Well, welcome to Thirty Three Tangents <laughs> uh, today on. <laughs> We're our excited sh- to be here. T- today on our program, we have Jason Thompson and Jim Driscoll. Jim will not be wearing his mascot outfit today, um, but. But I'm, I'm pleased to be here today to talk to these guys and to ask them, you know, one very simple question. And, and that one very simple question would be, if you were designing a program in the digital analytics space, where you could provide experiences during the learning process that would be valuable to you as a hiring manager. To hire someone out of this program, what would that program look like? So I've got some prompts I want to. That's
0: a big question. I know it is. I
2: know I said it was simple, but it's like I can't. I can't. If I could remember the movie quote, you know, it's like one question, but you know, it's got 500 different um, pieces to it. But um, but anyway, that's that is the question, and I guess specifically. You know, I'd like to drive it through three different lenses. Um, one of them would be the essential learning outcomes that you think that somebody should have, maybe in any analytics program. Okay. Um, the second one would really be, what would the experiences look like that you would create? You know, what what would be those experiences and um, mentoring and, you know, all these different kinds of things that we can drill into. And then, and then the third thing, which which you guys talk a lot about on your program, and which I, I feel is essential as well, is really, what's the culture look like? Um, you know, I have some ideas around culture, but I would love to know from you. And again, this this you know, Jim, you kind of set it up by introducing me and letting me have my little uh, you know run-on monologue. But but I think that what what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to uh, it, this is I think this perfectly illustrates what higher education needs to be doing. It needs to be asking the people who are in the trenches, what do you, who are you looking to hire and, and what kinds of things are you looking for when you're, when you're looking to hire them and what kind of program should they come out of to get those things? So, yeah. so maybe let's do a grand tour of the big question, which is yeah. what is, what does the thing look like? And then we can start to drill down into the, the three, the three lenses.
0: I, I like it. So I, I will start with um a thought exercise that I've been going through for a couple years because I've been I've been thinking about this question a lot. Uh, maybe not in as direct terms, but um just the need for having more high-quality candidates for the type of work that we're doing. You know, it's been years and years and years this. The industry that we work in continually faces um, talent shortages. Uh, how do we bridge that that gap so that we're getting more talented people in sooner is, is a tough, tough thing to to crack. And I'll tell you that some of the, the things that we've kind of whiteboarded over the years is, um, are we in a position to do that? And if so, what does that look like? Or is this something that we could maybe give some ideas around and have someone else take off with it. And I'll tell you that I've used the setup of um, how things work in the legal profession. And and let me asterisk this by saying, I have no education or experience in, in law other than I watch a ton of deposition videos on YouTube. They are highly, highly entertaining to me. Um, But, if, if you think about the way that that law works or as people going into the legal profession, oftentimes they get into universities that can plug them into, to, to play a clerking role. Um, so, so these students go in and they are actually assigned to a judge or they're assigned to some kind of uh, role where they're getting real world experience while they're, they're doing classroom, uh, learning. And, um, We thought about this outside of the bounds of higher ed, but we thought about this just from a a business perspective um, in that could we pivot the traditional model where we have interns and instead we have clerks, Um, meaning that, you know, we're not going to treat them as an intern. We're going to treat them as these are employees, um, but they're employees with a limited lifespan, meaning we know they're going to be with us for one year or two years and we have some set goals that we want them to, to come out with and then they're gonna go on. You know, they may go on to another engagement, they may go on and go full time back into school. But I think that's one of the big gaps that we want to see solved for because there are internships out there and and people pick up internships and maybe it's a summer internship. Maybe it's a few months. Um, but I think just the framing of it as an internship is different than framing of it as I'm going to be a full contributing employee. I'm I'm inexperienced, but I have a specific plan mapped out for me that I'm going to go through this experience from A to Z. Um, and I feel like that's why I was super excited when you started talking about the new program at ETSU. Is that like, it felt like it was maybe trending more in that direction. I know you've already been doing things like that with some of the local... Um, employers, right? I think um, Eastman is a big one that I, I see that happening a lot where you have students embedded in these programs and they're learning a tremendous amount and it's much more than, quote, an internship. How do we take that model and, and replicate it so it's something that maybe other universities can do, maybe it's something employers can do or employers do in in more of a strong partnership with the university. So that's where I've spent a lot of my time thinking about it. And from a business standpoint, I think it really does require this change in, in focus and not looking at it as an internship, not looking at it as maybe a full-time employee where they're on different paths, but, but literally we're, we're, we're carving out these clerk roles where we want people to come in, spend an X amount of time there and we have the path laid out. Um, I just, I think it could be insanely valuable. A company of our size, I think it's really hard to pull that off, but I feel like there's something there.
2: So, um, yeah. So I think if you look at what teacher education is and, Jim, your wife's a teacher, isn't she? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. So um, like, I, I, I'm like, I'm just been trying to rip from them because they do exactly, you know, what you just said. They, they yeah, stick as teaching with, model. Yeah. Right. And then, and then of course, medical medicine does it. Right. Um, yeah. Lots
0: of careers do it, but they, it seems to be isolated to those careers where at the end of the day, you have to pass some kind of bar exam or board or something it we we've limited it to those types of careers
2: yep yep i love your the legal clerk example is that's a great one to to use i'm gonna i'm gonna totally steal that by the way excellent yeah jim what are your what are your thoughts yeah
1: as you know as you were asking the question as as, as jason was talking and i'm gonna start really high level and then Eventually, ramble down to to a more detailed answer. But what kept coming to mind is is the idea of of like open ended, and the fact of like you know, in the meaning of like open ended questions. So to 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 go along with what Jason was talking about with like embedding people in some of these um, you know programs, and where they're they're getting real world experience. The additional point to that would be you know, having them set up, you know, working with, um, employers that are, are looking to, to bring on these, you know, students at this point, but you know, they're going to be given like open-ended tasks, open-ended questions. Um, I know in, in my history of being an intern, it was just kind of like, go do a, and come back with B. uh, you know, very closed ended, very specific, a lot of times grunt work. um, you know, and I think one of the things Jason and I have come back to is, is one of the things in this space is the need for critical thinking, the ability to sit and think through a problem and not immediately jump into, I need to do a, uh, someone said X, so I need to do Y it's this, the ability to think through it, be able to adjust. So t- you know, um, getting college students that experience out of the gate where it's like, can you tell me, you know, what you're seeing here using this data? What do you think is going on? Very broad, open-ended, giving them a chance to explore and really think about what's going on and not just get into this, I'll say, you know, the kind of like um, uh, assembly line, mindset of go in I do a and I you know come out with result big
0: yeah and 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 to kind of take off on what Jim six Stephen I'd be really interested um and I and I giggle every time I call you Stephen because like I I think the first time I did that your students were like, <gasps> Like, oh, yeah. Dr. Sorry. Marshall.
2: <laughs> and I, and I don't ever care that they call me Stephen. Just don't call me Mr. Marshall. I mean, I, I earned the doctors so of the mister is gone, but yeah. Stephen is always fine.
0: OK, so I'm interested in your take on this. But to, to Jim's point, I think historically, that's always been a challenge at the university level is that at least from my experience. So I obviously have a very limited experience when it comes to to higher ed because it's my experience. I went to undergraduate, I did graduate school and that's it. Um, but in my experience over those like six or seven years was that the majority of my experience in the higher education setting was very much a, a carrot and stick um, type of, of setup. You know, if, if you, know, you don't get good grades, then we'll whip you. We'll put this carrot out there so that it's something that you can drive towards. Um, And the thing that I was missing the most is how to take all of that theoretical knowledge that is, I think, much easier to teach in a carrot and stick environment. And how do I translate that to more applied learning, knowing that I'm not going to know it until I know it, but there has to be some kind of a bridge there. And I think that that has to be a huge challenge for for higher education in that it's that you're you're teaching students' frameworks, you're teaching students to work on really difficult problems that take years to solve, but also we need to be able to get out of the lab and apply it to the real world. But we don't necessarily want to become a six-month trade program either, because I do think there's value to those bigger, more complicated, more strategic things that just take a lot of knowledge and time. So how do you fit into that space and how do you put a program in place in which the students are coming out with very strong market ready skills, but it isn't like we've pumped them through a coding bootcamp, you know, and that is my concern because there's not, and not to talk about on coding bootcamps, I think they fill a need in a space, but you know, what I'm looking for is something else, something more of a deep thinker for solving really complex problems that you just can't learn in three months.
2: No. And, and I'm not going to give you the answer to your question because I'm interviewing you. That's right. I'm just, these are things I'm thinking about as an answer to your question. (laughs) Cause I have answers that I think are, you know, at least maybe a path, but, um, but I don't want to go there yet. Um, you know, I Jim, I love what you're talking about with the open-ended thing. I think a great example of that is I've got a student that's with me right now in the research corporation. She's one of my brand and media strategy graduate students. She's she's does the the capstone project. And those of you that are that don't know our program, we have a capstone project that takes a full year, and we immerse students in the experiences of doing the work. I think you know um, a couple things that you guys just both said. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to string them together. So um, I I think that the the trade school thing is makes everybody in higher education at the university level go oh my god like no we should totally borrow from the the trade schools i mean we should totally think about that apprenticeship kind of an approach right um but i think to the open ended thing the student that i have i have studying with me which is what I'm trying to do with her is kind of an apprenticeship because she said to me, I'm, I'm, she's, she, she is from, um, I think she's from Ghana, mm. but, um, but she's an international student and she's here this summer. And she's like, I'm going to be here. I would just love to get as much experience as I can. I said, if you show up every day, I'll wear you out, you know, just, and if you don't show up, that's okay. You know? Um, and when I have when I have opportunities to throw money your way, I'm gonna do that, you know, which I those are starting to come up now and projects we're working on. But um, but she just she comes in and I asked one of the things I asked her was, you know, I need I need you to put together what it's like to run a, a camp a competition on TikTok. What are the things that we have to think about? And so she gave me a a a Word document that had a bunch of links. To kind of the questions that I gave her to start to think about these. If I I said if I were thinking about this project, these are the things that would I would initially go look at. So what did she do? She finished the assignment, right? She answered the questions, she wrote a statement, and then she sent gave me links. And I'm like, no, you know, because like Jim, as you're saying, I'm trying to keep this open ended. Like, and I flipped it back to her and I said, I'm the client, and you're saying that here's all the information that's out there now you go find it like you know you go read it and 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 the whole thing i'm asking you to do is to actually tell me become the subject matter expert in this thing i just asked you about and present it to me and to our client who are who's paying us to help run this thing for them um put it in a put it in a in a presentable digestible way that you can present it and if I want more information, then you put those links into the, you know, in the slide deck. So I can click on any of them to find out more information. But but I tried to keep that thing, you know, wide open. And I'm trying to think about this apprenticeship kind of, of, of an approach, which I think is really what we're trying to do with the RC. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of people that are probably listening to this right now going, oh, well, my university did that. We had a client that came in and, you know, we put together a whole business case and and we presented it at the end of the semester to the client. Here are the recommendations. Right. That's great. You know, every university does that. I think that the code we're trying to crack is the next step. Do the recommendations now you are now in the the you're now in the space but you're still under the protected environment of the university you can still you know what what we've all talked about fail fast um but you're doing it in a controlled environment so i can explain to you now can we reflect you know reflecting is a huge part of education right and talking through that reflection and so now can we talk about what what's just why this didn't work what were the pieces of it that that didn't work you know and so um, but I think that's where we're really, we're trying to borrow all these different things, yeah. um, that, that our other folks are doing. And I think the code we're trying to crack is not the, let's put the, let's put a whole semester, you know, you guys know, I've done the national student advertising competition, you know, by a- American advertising Federation, you know, for 10 years, last couple of years that we did it, you know, we were in the national championships, top eight out of 200 schools, was an amazing experience for these students. They never get to do that campaign. They just get to re- make recommendations to the client. And I firmly believe that they have to figure out why the code is broken. You know, mm-hmm. that's when, when stress and, and theory and all these things are coming at you, 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 you have to perform. And that's what we all want to hire is someone that has evidence that, that they, you know, it's like, I tell my students, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm looking at Jim, Jim, I I think I can, it's fair to say, I mean, Jim, Jim did not go to school originally for analytics. Like he, he came into the space and, and he, and he, he, you know, it's not necessarily, I mean, he used a lot of the pieces and the puzzle that he had, but a lot of it was self-taught and motivated to learn it you know, himself and had that drive. So a lot, of, a lot of, I think, is what we're trying to do in this code that we're trying to crack is we're trying to help students learn how to learn.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, honestly, that's a lot of the inertia that has to be overcome is that, uh, you know, with your, your student kind of doing the... Um, letter of the assignment that that's kind of been built into the education from an early from kindergarten right like that the 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 framework is is that you you kind of do this paint by numbers approach and you, you get rewarded with an a or a good you know and and we have to kind of i think tear that inertia apart and say that it's so much more than just the 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 actual letter of of what i'm asking you to do it's the spirit of what i'm asking you to do the the, what I'm asking you to do is a framework. I don't just fill in the blanks. I'm asking you to use this as a thought exercise to really think through that. And I, I think that's a really difficult thing for, especially higher education students to overcome because they've been taught all the way up 12 years of schooling to that point that, they should be doing the opposite of that because that's what they're rewarded for. So we have to break that inertia down. And then also this stigma of trade schools. Again, I'm going to go back to professions like education, legal, medical, those are apprenticeships. You know, we, we may, we may call them by another name to pretty them up, but, but they're essentially apprenticeships. Why, why is that same model not okay in a business application, which, it's not. We call it an internship, or we call it a. But to your point, it's so sterilized that we're not giving students anything that is not outside of a lab experience. And that I think is the problem with so many young students that I I talk to. A lot of them are so um, are so excited to solve all the problems in this clean, sterile environment. And the minute you, what I think we've brought this up on multiple episodes, the Mike Tyson quote, like. Something about all your plans go out the window and the minute you get punched in the face. Yep. The minute you get into business and find out that these things are incredibly messy and complicated, and, and that everything that worked in the lab no longer works the same way, they're like, oh, "What do we do?" So, how do we we give them that aha moment that it's never going to be as pl- as clean and pretty as we saw in the university setting? How do we start to give them that? And you know, that sounds like a lot of what. You're you're looking to solve with 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 DRC.
2: Yeah, and and that student that I was giving you the example. I mean, once I told her what I was looking for, she had total agency into creating something very special and unique, and she nailed it. You know, um, and so, but I had to, I had to say, look at this isn't just a assignment. This is like we're going to present this to the to the client, and you're going to present it to the client, and so. Prepare it in a way that you're comfortable presenting it, you know, and 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 in not a way that has you know a thousand words on a slide, you know, um, you know, to where you you have this confidence. So, all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna drill down a little bit into the question. So, what are the essential learning outcomes you would expect a program focused in analytics? And let me just say, I mean, I'm a media and communication professor. I mean, my my consulting space is content strategy. That's what people hire me to do outside of the university. Um, so I'm not coming in here saying, you know, hey, I'm an analytics expert of, of any sort, right? I mean, I obviously use data to to drive what we're doing. But um, but the thing that I'm really excited about with the research corporation was before when I was trying to do this, I was a chair of a department, and I was trying to do it within my 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 silo, right? Which universities are are very siloed. Um, uh, organizations and and that a lot of that has to do with the student credit hours being the currency for 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 budget and revenue and so you know um, a lot of times what happens at universities is is we'll 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 try to steal students from each other and and in this, at the end of the day we're 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 just moving chairs on the Titanic quite honestly right <laughs> instead of instead of working together to create something unique and interdisciplinary and focusing on trying to grow student enrollment and those kinds of things. At the front of the house, um, four out of five students are going to change their major at least once. So um, that student you recruit may not be your student after a semester anyway. Um, so, so the thing that makes me really excited about the RC is that I now get to sit across the entire university, and I get to com- I get to connect computer science and and marketing and digital media and animation and those kinds of spaces and public health. Um, and media and communication and graphic design and creative writing, I can bring like, you know, and whatever else I just forgot, right? Um, I get to bring those things together to, to bring the, the world that we all live in off a of campus um, where work happens, you know, um, work happens on campus, but you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> you know, so, so what are the learning outcomes You guys being subject matter experts in the analytics space, what are the learning outcomes you think would be foundational MVP, you know, I mean, kinds of learning outcomes?
0: It's interesting because I just uh, published a Twitter thread on something similar to this this morning. So the timing is, is eerie, but uh, you know, as, as someone that would be looking to hire this role, I, I obviously have some opinions of what, what I would want and what I would look for. Um, and, and this is the tricky part because, um, it, it's, I think easier to attach to, um, firm skills. And I saw this when I was at the university level. So when I was in grad school, they were wrangling with these same types of questions and they are like, well, If Jason comes out of grad school knowing how to program in Visual Basic and how to uh, query an Oracle database, then he's going to be more employable. Um, the, The problem was is that it created a lot of highly technically skilled people, but we're missing what ultimately I discovered were more higher order valuable skills that are harder to identify and hire for, but are ultimately more valuable. So let me try to unpack that so I can maybe make a little bit of, of sense with, uh, with it. So we see as like younger folks in the space, strong in skills. So, you know, they may come out knowing GA, they may come out knowing Adobe, they may come out knowing, you know, Snowflake, or I may be strong in SQL, or maybe if I was more technical, I learned Python or R. All of those things are, are really valuable, no doubt but there's a ceiling to the value that those skills can produce without putting some higher order skills on top of them. And those things I think are harder to develop and things like that are a framework for learning, especially as an analyst, you're not going to be given a simple problem of how many people visited our site. You're going to be given a very complex problem that you're going to have to figure out how to structure that problem yourself. So did I learn how to learn in, in university so I can now structure a way to break down complex problems um do i have strong communication skills from a business perspective um it's it's one thing to be able to run complex models in python and and come up with some scoring it's a whole other thing to say okay and cmo here is what it means to you Uh, and that's not something you're gonna have perfected that's something no one ever perfects but at least coming out ahead of everyone else is going to be extremely valuable to an employer the ability to break down complex into less complex things. And really that's the nut of what analysis is. You know, as, as analysts, we take really big things and break them down into smaller things, that's analysis. Um, and so uh, that to me separates what we see is what we are calling analysts, which are really report and data distributors. You know, okay, you ask for page views per month over time. I can give you that, that's a report. What, what an analyst is, is here's a bunch of data, use your analytical knife to start slicing that up into more meaningful chunks where you can talk to me about trends, where you can talk to me about patterns, where you can talk to me about behavior that you're seeing with our consumers. Um, and that's the last piece that I would add is um, some level of business acumen and, and knowledge of consumer psychology and consumer behavior. These things to me would if if students came out with even a is the right word cursory level or understanding of these subjects would put them so much further ahead than where most students are coming out that they would be so insanely employable and would add immediate value to, to businesses because what's happening now is you have maybe highly technical people coming out from an aptitude standpoint, but these other skills that really increase their ceiling of what they can do for businesses are missing and and often take years and years and years to develop. And unfortunately, it either has to be self-driven, which very few fall into that category, or you get lucky enough to have a really good manager or mentor to build a career path for you to say, you need to now add these things. If those seeds were planted back at the university level, you have that much more runway to start to build the value um, of, of those components. So. I don't know if that directly answers your question, but that's what I would look for as an output, like someone coming out of this program, I would want to say they have at least some level of measurability in those buckets. Whereas most people coming out at the university level are at a baseline zero.
2: Okay. So can I repeat the buckets back to Mm -hmm. you and then I'm going to go to Jim? Yeah. So, So you said critical thinking, break down big problems into smaller chunks communication skills, being able to communicate what you found in a simplistic, let's just say simplistic, not that CMOs. I'm a CMO. I need it simple. My brain is very, but um, but it is is—it's you know, it's yeah. complex yeah. things and making them easy to understand. Yeah. And then communicating those and then having some background in consumer behavior, psychology, yes. some kind of business. So you understand the 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 reasons possibly you know hypotheses or or just understanding the reasons why you're seeing a phenomenon that you're you might be seeing that's right okay yep jim what what did we are yours different are yours i mean it's the same
1: concept and this is not meant to be a duplicate of jason's first bucket but i'm going to call it um problem solving and being able to deal with issues and not in the case of problem solving as Jason is, is, you know, um, I'm thinking more of things are not going to be clean. Things are not going to be easy. Uh, no matter what tool you're dealing with, whether it's Adobe analytics, Google analytics, snowflake, whatever, if you get posed a question by, you know, the director of paid search or the CMO themselves, of tell me what's going on here. You're not going to be able to log into any of those tools and there's not going to be this shiny red button that says, oh, I'm the solution to problem X that you were just asked about, push me. You're not going to have that. A lot of times you're going to be wading through a lot of crap. It's not going to be clean and there's going to be problems with that. So it's how do you deal with those problems and dealing dealing with issues too? Because if say you're working with someone on the instrumentation side, Just because you ask for something to be added to the site doesn't mean the tech team's going to be able to jump right on that. How do you deal with those kind of things? And this goes back to something Jason said in the beginning is that unlike what, and I, I, this is my experience from college 20 some years ago is that you were taught all of these things that work perfectly under the perfect pristine sterile environment of academia the minute you get out there, it doesn't happen that way. And if, you know, having being taught these things right from there, your mind doesn't shatter when it's like, wait, wait, I was told it was supposed to work this way. So that's what I'm I'm thinking of is, is that you're going to be asked a question. It's not going to be push a button, get answer. You're going to be wading through dirty data. You're going to be working with people where you need to get data you need to get code deployed to a site you're going to need to get stuff and it's you know they they may not necessarily want to do what you need them to do and all of those kind of things so it's being able to deal with um those kind of headwinds that are going to come your way
0: yeah and and not and not to draw this out too long but i think if we were to distill down this entire conversation what jim said is it that that is the biggest um measure that I think any employer would look for. And I think it's ultimately yours and higher ed's biggest challenge in that, again, the way that the current education system is set up is is the opposite of that. What Because we've been taught, if A, then B. And if we do A, then we're rewarded for outputting B. But the minute you get into the real world, you're never going to see A. And that's where I think a lot of students, like they, they get this, Mike Tyson punch in the face the minute they take their first job. And they're like, well, wait a minute. I was told if A, then B, then now what? And and so I, I think if we can, again, go further upstream to start to correct that level of thinking, sure, From a from a theoretical standpoint, from a learning framework standpoint, we have to anchor on something. We can talk about A, then B. But to add that next layer of nuance to say, but you're never going to see A outside of this classroom what's gonna happen when you see a, now you can do that with book work. What you're looking at doing is, can we add something more than just classroom work to help reinforce that, but more than reinforce that, expose students to real-world scenarios and not just in a um, competition way, because I think the competition is a great example because what you do is you, even in the competition, take a really nice clean slice of an experience And give them the full experience because the full experience sometimes, um, isn't nice and it's, it's ugly and painful at times. And we make some mistakes. And if we don't experience that, we never get that foundational knowledge that we're never going to have a, and that's okay. We now have the tools to say, well, we have a plus all these other inputs to a that make it look like something else. And we can still work with that.
2: And, And what you both are saying are, are again, the pinnacle of retention. You know having to go when you get drugged behind the truck you'll remember that right so i mean when you have these terrible experiences that things didn't go right or you get you know you get a new client and the and now you're looking at their their instance of whatever you know platform you want to say you're looking at and it's a mess right the tag i mean whatever it is it's a mess and and now you have to you have to fix it you remember Like, those are the things that, that troubleshooting time, you know, is, is why the retention, you know, piece of learning outcomes goes up so high because you've had to overcome something to learn that information. It wasn't just a memorization or something that, that you just, you know, uh, you know, retain just because, you know, it was interesting. It was, it was like a fight or flight moment and, and you remember it, um, yeah. I think it, that's a good one, Jim. Yeah, and and you just said something
1: great. You know, you come into a new engagement post graduation. Once you're into your career, you're never, you know, especially if you're working consulting slash agency side, you're never coming into a pristine environment. It's very rare, if ever, that you come into that. Most times you're going to come into a situation where things are a mess. And you can't turn around and say, F this, I'm out. Um, you know you you're going to have to dig in and work on that and you're going to have to deal with that and it's it's how do you deal with something whether it's 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 a a client that you know is maybe a tough sell on certain things, just messy data you know how do you how do you deal with that? so yeah, I think that that's the the thing that popped into my mind when you said that is is coming into an engagement no matter what tool they're using it's going to be messy somewhere there's going to be issues somewhere
2: what's so funny is that uh, in your in you guys in your learning outcomes you didn't mention any digital analytics
1: tools are secondary
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we know that those are foundational things. Clearly, you know, I, I it's not like they're going to move my ten-year line to to chemistry. You know, hey, well, you're not teaching the same. Well, we'll move you over to chemistry. You know, it's just you know, you're a professor. It doesn't matter. You know, um, but but I think that it was just it. it anyway, I had to, I had to bring that up because I thought that was something that was kind of profound.
1: We we've uh, talked about it here on the show. We've talked about it just internally is that when you have those those soft skills that we've been talking about, um, the tools, you're, you're going to be able to pick up the tool. Yes, there may be a learning curve if you're familiar with one, and now you have to jump in and work with another. But having those other skills, the tools become secondary.
0: Yeah. And, and to build on that, I would say the tools are important, especially at the higher education level, to give the platform or ability to have a more immersive experience. What they shouldn't be used for is a, um, I, I can't remember how you positioned it, but if I do, you know, I do X, then I get Y type of thing that you're memorizing. Okay, you know, I'm, I'm learning Adobe analytics. So if I click this, then this is the output. That shouldn't be the vision of, of a university adding tools to their program. They should be adding the tools as a way to create a more immersive experience to learn those other skills that we mentioned that we feel are much more valuable than the tools. So the tools are going to come and go.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, your ability as an analyst to adapt to that are going to be the skills that you develop around it. The, the tools are how you use are what you use to get the answers based on your foundational knowledge and the skills that I mentioned previously. Um, And I, you know, I learned this, I I saw this in, in grad school very early on. Um, And I was in a Oracle DBA administrator class and I, I watched the students go through it and I could tell quickly the students that were going to ace that test and they were going to wear the fancy, what are they, stoles at graduation because they're in the honors. I'm like, I am gonna like I'm gonna run circles around these guys when we get out into corporate America because they're doing a fine phenomenal job of saying, you know, if I click this button, then I get this result. And I spent the majority of my time tearing it apart, just being insanely curious about well, what does this even mean and how can I use this to answer questions. And I wasn't the best student from a testing, and I hated turning in my homework, and so I was bad, and I'm sure my teachers hated me, but. I learned a ton that is paying off today and it was much more than if I click this button, here's what it does in this program, but more, how can I use this as a, as a framework to understand how to solve complex real world problems?
2: Yeah, I love that. All right, we're going to move on. Second probe here, we're building a experiential learning um, platform or whatever you want to call it, right? Experience. So, so what, what would they be what would be these experiences how do you how do you activate the the learning outcomes you guys just talked about?
0: and Jim's gonna have to go first because my guard dog <laughs> is uh on a high alert <laughs>
1: um yeah um let me think about that for a second so because you know I'm thinking of you know the, the the both of the next questions that 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 you're you know you're you're looking to to ask. And I think, uh oh,
2: Stephen, you there? I am. My camera just took a took a uh, I, it was on before we started this. And I, I think it's been on for like 24 hours. And I think once I started running video it. So just give me give me a second and uh, I'll switch it out here. I'm prepared, man. I was once a Boy Scout. There we go. There we go until, until I actually had homework and book reports. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, wait a second, what's this boy scout thing about?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I think if anything, the experiences would be around allowing the students to make mistakes and break stuff. Um, And I mean like breaking stuff. I mean like if you're trying to work with live experiences with, a, with like a, a partner, they may not be too keen on that, but finding those opportunities where they can break stuff, because I'll tell you this early in my career, I learned what buttons not to push, not because what I learned in a classroom or read in a knowledge base article, it's because I pushed the button and I realized, Oh, I don't push that button in that, in that situation, or I don't set it up that way. Um, and Making mistakes, because uh, Jason, I'm going to steal something we were talking about mm, last week. Um, you know, when people are, you know, when people are taught that you're going to be punished for making a mistake, they will do everything they can to cover it up. Where... It, you know, they'll learn. And, you know, if they're taught, you know, that, hey, mistakes are what we learn from. And granted, that's so much easier said than done. I get it. Um, But when they're taught that way, they're going to seek out environments where non-fatal mistakes are are tolerated, even if
2: not even encouraged. And uh, I'll, because I'll, then... I'll, I'll jump in real quick and just say confirmation bias. Even if you're not going to get caught, you don't want to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there are some people just no matter what they no matter how wrong they are they will figure out a way that they were right mm-hmm. and and try to convince you that they were so i'm sorry to interrupt but yeah. no, so no, no, i don't, no, it's I don't think it's like the threat of that i think some people also just are so hardwired with confirmation bias that they just can't they can't stomach you know they they're embarrassed that they they can't say i didn't know this i didn't understand mm-hmm. this whatever
1: yeah so i i think it's you know, fostering a mindset of looking for the environments where you can make the mistakes. And again, like that, I know, I I don't want to go down too much of a tangent here, uh, with it, but I know that opens up so many other things to talk about.
0: that's the name of the show.
1: I know, I know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) like, yeah, but like that, that being able to make mistakes and being open about it, that's how the organization learns, the individual learns. Um, and it fosters creativity versus fear. Because when people are scared to make mistakes, you have no creativity. Yeah.
0: So, so I have two, and I'm well. I had one, but I'm going to build on on Jim's as my number one. Um, and I, I don't know how you solve for this in a um, real world kind of. S- real-world scenario with with students but i i agree it's one of the biggest limiting factors that i see students coming out of higher education with and that is this point of i I can't be wrong or i have to know everything Um, so giving students experience where they can develop their own personal approach and tools to be able to account for that i believe would be incredibly valuable you know, small, small data size of one, but I I know a guy that I worked with at one point in my career that he always had every answer. And if he didn't have the answer, he was just having a moment where he forgot it. He always knew everything. And, and, and the danger in that is he, after a period of time actually convinced himself he knew everything. And so if you convince yourself, you know, everything, you have no internal desire to learn new things and he is still at the same job, has, you know, maybe he's had some token title and pay increases, but hasn't progressed because he early on convinced himself he knew everything. And I, if we can get over that sickness that we know very little, we become open and motivated to learning a lot. But students, especially as they're so vulnerable early in their career, need to have some tools to know how to navigate a very tricky and sometimes political environment where it may not be safe or it may be scary to be wrong or admit those things. So having exposure to that and, and allowing them on their own to develop some tools to how to manage that, I think would be incredibly valuable from an experience standpoint. My, my answer to, to what I would want the experience to be was going to be anything that is not overly designed. Um, because that, that I believe is, is where we have, um, a challenge in that we've got great laboratory experiences where we can run through things in a sterile environment. Um, we have we have maybe internships or competitions where it's really well designed what the experience is going to be. But as we all know, we can create all the plans we want the chance that it's going to go perfect to design are near zero. Let's uh, not to, not to bring up a, a sore subject here, Stephen, but let's go back to your Adobe presentation. Like you had this mindset that everything was going to be perfect and your audio and your video is going to be perfect. And then it didn't go to plan. Yep. That's the, that's how most things happen. And, and so creating an experience that allows students to see that and experience that firsthand. So they have that aha moment to say, it's okay that this didn't go to plan because that's the reality of how things work. But through this experience, I've been given tools, I've been given frameworks, I've been given leadership. And personally, I've developed an experience where I now can adapt to that and I can pivot and I can think on the fly and I can say, okay, well, we wanted to go from A to B, but now we have to go to A to C to D to B and that's okay.
2: Yeah. So I think, so I'm going to get a little academic on you guys. You guys have given me the characteristics of the experiences. You have not given me the operationalization, however you say that word, of the experiences. So, and I know that's what, I know that's what we're doing together. I know we're working on that together for the RC and to, to build all this. And that's what. You know, and then we want to be able to, you know, write about it and share it and share the, the successes and the fails with others so that other institutions can can borrow whatever they want of what we're doing. And and um, but, you know, um, making mistakes and breaking stuff and developing their own, you know, agency, personal agency around the tools and being comfortable with being wrong and and, and not being overly designed and experienced. Those are all the characteristics of the experience that I want to make. What is it?
0: So the, the, the experience, and I'm going to go back to the clerk model. Um, and, and here's why I like the clerk model so much is that, um, the, the characteristics of the experiences that they would normally get again are something that is highly designed. If you're an intern, it's like, eh, we didn't we didn't have time to do these things. Let's throw it to the intern to go hack on. And if they do it, and they do it. If they don't, no skin off our back. Um, if it's if it's more of an, uh, a a short term role where we have them working, you know, on a real world problem, we're still insulating them. We're still saying, yeah, well, we have to just be careful not to expose them to the real stuff. So we'll have them do some other things. That's why I like the clerking model, because it's not just sending them off and doing something. It's saying, okay, we're going to to put you directly connected with someone that is highly experienced in your field. They have 50 million things to do, and they can't do anywhere near that many. So they're going to have you do some of the things, and some of those things are critically important. They're not going to send you off to do them on your own. They're going to validate your work. They're going to provide feedback. But if you think about it, it's like, okay, I'm going to have you go and read. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe there was a judgment that was submitted and it's 300 pages long. Go and read it, summarize it, put together our response, and we're going to file that response with the court. That's a very meaningful thing that's going to take a lot of thought and figuring things out, to Jim's point, messing up. But the difference between this experience from an operation standpoint and all the other experiences is it's meaningful. It's, we're just not, you we're not insulating them. We're not having them hack on a little fun project that we wanted to do, but it doesn't really matter. These are meaningful things to our business. We're going to have you work under someone that is highly experienced. They're going to provide mentorship and feedback. They're going to correct you when you make a mistake. Um, but you're going to work on something for them that is highly meaningful and is something that is critical for them to do. And, and that's, I think, the differentiator from an operational standpoint. So, It's going to need your framework from a university setting, but it's also going to take a strong partnership with businesses that are willing to make that leap and say, we're going to move from this thing we're comfortable with where we just let interns kind of do fun little things to, no, we're going to bring in students and we're going to actually make them contributors to critical things that we're trying to solve for our business.
1: I just thought, of Jason, you made me think of a great example that actually I've seen in in my own life. Um, So my wife, in addition to being a teacher, she does photography on the side. So she'll do, you know, um, newborn photo shoots, family photo shoots. And she's worked with um, this one person in the past. Um, She hasn't done any jobs for him recently, but he does big events, uh, weddings, weddings. uh, bar mitzvahs bat mitzvahs all of those things he does those events he actually has his own studio um when we were getting married he had taken on a essentially an apprentice um who was going to to design photography and art school and like when you do events for weddings engagements and stuff like that and people are paying you a lot of times they're expecting a shit ton of photos to come out of it. it depends upon the package you want to buy. And I mean, there's a lot of details there, but, um, his, essentially his apprentice, as she was going to school, it was being taught the art of photography and the art of editing and stuff like that. And they'd done this one, um, engagement shoot and shit. Was it even ours? It may have been our engagement shoot. And she came back with two photos, like two Properly and perfectly posed and edited photos. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's not what they're expecting from this. Yes, that works great when, you know, you are in in art school. But when the bulk of photography is events like this, they're expecting 50 pictures. Mm -hmm. And so... That, that's the kind of thing, Jason, we were talking about, like, they're going to correct you, they're going to give you a real job that has real world outcome that is meaningful. It's not just a eh, go see what you could do with editing these additional photos, or whatever. No, this is a job that we picked up. This is a job that you're doing. And when you get it wrong, I'm going to tell you when, you know, you've done that and how you should approach it better.
0: And that's scary as a business owner. But we all have to be in this together to raise the tide. Um, and and you can put together the program on the university side, but ultimately, unless you're creating businesses at the university that can be used as models for this, ultimately you're going to need partners that are willing to, um, get outside their comfort zone and know that long-term this is going to benefit them and, and, and everybody else. Because I think it is a new paradigm in thinking about ways of doing things. And it goes back to the start of the conversation where we said, we, we have to be okay with having this model where we have an apprenticeship. All these other fields are okay with it. For some reason in business, we're not comfortable with it and we sterilize the experiences. And then we wonder why they're not coming out quite as prepared as we want them to be.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, um, see, I, I mean, I, I love what you're saying and I, and I, that is the that is the approach and i feel like it is the you know we are to go back a couple of years and in the into clicheville that you guys love to go um you know um the killer app right i mean it it, it just it is what's the the thing that higher education needs because you have you have all these for profit and you have coursera and you have all these different things that you can go learn whatever you want to go learn you can go learn how to how to, how to shoot, you know, movies like Spike Lee, or you could go learn how to cook like, you know, Guy Fieri and you can, you know, but, but you don't have Guy Fieri standing there with you, like going, there's too much salt in this, right? And and you're
0: never going to be under pressure of actually being in a commercial kitchen with guests in the lobby that are in the, in the, in the, um, dining room that are depending on you putting something together. cooking in your own kitchen for your family isn't the same experience as being in the kitchen with guy
2: yeah and i mean so you can learn a ton of stuff and i'm again i'm not saying that you don't learn stuff from there but i think the gap that we're trying to the problem that we're trying to solve is to fill that 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 gap with the hands-on i I think i may have even said this on your on a previous show with you guys but like You know, a couple summers ago, my wife was like, she just had some downtime in the summer and, and she'll probably kill me for saying this, but, but, um, you know, she said, I, I think I'm going to get Google analytics certified. And I was like, okay, you know, you've never done anything on a website before ever, but okay. Well, she did, you know, she got certified, right? I'm not going to hire her to do anything, you know, and get this. I mean, I, I know this for a fact, she's way smarter than I am. You know, I mean, she makes me, I do, I say things that people like, oh, that's really smart. I'm like, yeah, that's because my wife told me to say it. Cause yeah, I talked to her about, it. you know, so she's way smarter than I am, but she has never had to think about goals and business, you know, what the business is trying to do with the way and, and been in there and looked at bad, you know, a bad data, bad data, you know, or looked at signals that weren't clear, you know um, so you're not, you know, this, the, this certificate. It has to it doesn't mean anything unless unless you have the experiences with it, and it's a catch twenty two for all, especially undergrads. where they go, well, I've got this education, but now I don't have any experience and they're only hiring people that have experience. you know, and the other side of it, the coin is, you know, I'd have students that say to me, well, i I learned more in my internship than I did the whole time I was learning at the university, you know, in six months. and I'm like, well, yeah, you should because you're like immersed in that you know um we're not graduating cmos like we're graduating people that have foundational knowledge to go do an internship but I think the secret sauce here is to bring and what we're trying to do with here in the sense of building this you know is to go how do we how do we fill that gap you know and this the I, I love the idea of the of the clerk because it's so much more profoundly responsible than the intern. Um, but I'm going to ask you this cause I think someone that's listening to this is thinking this right now. I know I would be if I were listening, how do you scale the clerk?
0: Well, we've got, we've got an almost endless supply of, of businesses that we can choose from. So that's how it has to scale because it can't scale, um, from a select few people that buy into this model. And that is the roadblock that we came into. It's like we can create this system, but we're only going to be able to pump three or four kids through this a year, if that. It's not. It's not enough. We can't scale it beyond that. So it has to be something that um, is is really industry changing. In that, you know, a, a small shop like 33.6 six can't solve that, but a large shop like Anderson Consulting or whatever they're calling themselves now, or Ernst and Young, or they can't solve it. You know, we we need we need this to have a much broader adoption at the university level and at the business level to make it happen because we can't scale the people. And the, the reason why the clerk model works is because there's a person behind it that's taking a vested interest in the clerks succeeding. Um, and, um, we can't scale that. So we have to have people buying into the program. The more people that are bought into it, the more students that can have that opportunity. Um, so I think where you're at, you're planting the seed. Um, but ultimately, you need other universities to pick up on it. You need other businesses to pick up on it because you can't scale, Stephen. You can't scale. You know, It's going to have a limit to the number of people you can put through that program the proper way. Now, you could... You could scale it if you wanted to and make it look good, but you're going to cheapen the product and ultimately you're going to sacrifice the end goal. Now you may fake the numbers and make the numbers look good, but if we measured the actual results, we would all be dissatisfied and, yeah. and we just have to accept that.
2: And if, if you can sleep at night doing that, then. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Jim, you're, you're, uh, I'm asking the questions today but you're the producer. So how are we on time? Um, we're, we're quickly coming up on time. And okay. I figured this was going to be an episode that
1: just the, the time flew by. We're like in an hour and 10 minutes now. Um, so I think we should probably start to, to wrap up now, but I know there's so many more ways we can go on this. So let, let's talk about having, having a follow-up uh, to this, especially I know the Research Corporation is just launching, so once um once once you know you've had some time you know with it live let, let's plan to have a follow up episode
2: yeah and i think the follow up episode will also include you guys cuz you guys are essential components of what i'm trying to do you know in 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 your specific space of subject matter expertise to to so i think we're we're on a we're on a journey here together um but I'd like to encourage any listeners to to feel free to reach out to me if you have interest in this or you or you're, you know, or you, and if you're an educator and you're going, hey, we're doing some really awesome stuff. You should know about it. Tell me because I I will learn and and I will steal from you. And <laughs> and, uh, you know, if it's working, I, you, I mean, I'm a musician. I, I've been doing nothing but stealing riffs my whole life um, and then and then making music, you know, that is a, a sum of all those riffs. Um, I love, the, I love that. So <laughs> this is awesome.
1: Yeah. So yeah, th- this has been great. You know, thanks for, for coming back on. Yeah. These conversations always fly by. So I guess to, to wrap things up, um, you know, to your point, you just mentioned, you know, people if they have questions, they could reach out, tell our listeners where they can, where they can find you. And yeah, I'll so, also put the, that information in the show
2: notes. Sure. Sure. So, um, the, the best pe- place the the most active place I am is on LinkedIn, um, so Stephen Marshall, you know, you, you'll find me at East Tennessee State University, LinkedIn, um, etsurc.org is, would be the website for the ETSURC page, Research Corporation page, um, etsurc.org. And right now, if you, if you go there and you just find a landing page or a splash page, that's because we haven't launched the full site, but we should be doing that here um, within the close of July 2021, which is when we're recording this um and uh and then my contact information would be there too but um yeah i think that's and i and i again i welcome all crit- criticism critique input tips um help me help me get better please awesome yeah this has been great yeah so cool
1: yeah, we, thank, we will
2: re- thanks you guys for your support you know you guys no no been. no thank you <laughs> on this journey with me too.
1: So Steven, thanks again. Definitely appreciate it. And, uh, we'll catch everybody later. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator. So others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics. Book.